Hi and welcome to Alpha. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Bible. One of my uh, jobs, as it were, is to get other people to engage with the Bible. And down through the centuries, Bible has the Bible has been both uh, used and abused. And the Bible is in our history, it's in our society. In fact, our laws are based on the Bible. The Bible, when it came out uh, in an English translation 400 years ago, uh, next year or the year after, uh, it helped spread literacy because people wanted to read it. So therefore they had to learn to read. And of course there are some minor problems such as uh, minor historical details which are inaccurate. And then there's also, uh, it's interesting to note that Richard Dawkins or Dickie Dawkins as I call him, never uh, interacts with the Bible. For a man who talks about the non-existence or existence of God such a lot, that's almost incredible why he doesn't want to discuss the Bible, which is the Word of God. And then, of course, there's always uh, Danny Brown with his novels who claims that there's some great big conspiracy and a big cover-up because of it. And we get down to talking with him about him a little bit further later. But then there are also other claims to be the Word of God, not just the Bible. There's uh, the Bible, as we know, has got over 40 authors. Yet the book of Quran has one author. And he was stranded in a desert. He was uh, by himself. And he also admits that part of the Quran, which is their Word of God, was written by the devil. But why would the devil want to write a book about God unless it was untrue? And then there's also the Book of Mormon, which was written or written by uh, uh, Joseph Smith, but only after he had uh, discovered some uh, secret book and had which could only be translated by uh, uh, some magic spectacles and given to him by the angel Moroni. But where are the spectacles now? Nowhere. Perhaps they never existed in the first place. So those two claims to be the word of God are patently false, both the Koran and the Book of Mormon. The Bible, however, as I said, has over 40 authors. It's been going, it has a history of over 1500 years, and it contains all sorts of literature. There's history narrative, there's narrative, there's a love story, there's poems, there's songs, every conceivable kind of literature that you can imagine. The Bible has it in there. It is not just a theological book, even though it is. So, what is the Bible? Well, as Christians, we believe that the Bible is the written word of God, and it is the instrument used by God to bring people to faith in Him, and to help in their relationship with Him, once they turn to Him. It is not just the ideas, but also the words, the very words that are inspired by God. And there are two parts to the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
And the Old Testament, or the front part of the Bible, has 39 books in it. This is the story of why God made the earth and humanity, how humanity broke the relationship with God, and how God set about to restore humanity back into relationship with himself. Primarily through the nation of Israel, who was supposed to be a light to the other nations of God's greater goodness. It also tells how from this one nation of Israel will come a saviour or messiah for the whole world. And the New Testament, the second part, tells about this messiah or saviour, or who we know has been revealed as Jesus Christ. And then it also goes on to tell the story of the church from its very beginning, starting with eleven frightened disciples of Jesus, to the spreading of the church through the whole known world. And if you want one proof, as it were, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is that spread of the church following Jesus' resurrection, turning eleven frightened disciples into world beaters for God. So how did we get the Bible? At the time of the early church, there was, there was what we call the Old Testament. However, as the early church devoted itself to teaching from the apostles, as they learnt from Jesus, the books we have in the New Testament were developed and spread throughout the then known world as the church developed and spread under persecution. Indeed, the apostle Peter in 2 Peter 3 verse 14 to 16 says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. So before the very end of the first century, after the church, after Jesus ascended back to heaven, the Apostle Paul's letters were considered as equal with their scripture, our Old Testament, by the early church leaders. And by the end of the fourth century, the books that are in our New Testament were considered the only ones to be true scripture. Letters and manuscripts were not just considered though simply because somebody said they should be. There were several rigorous tests given to a manuscript in order for it to be considered part of the New Testament. Firstly, was the letter linked to any of the apostles? Secondly, were they in full agreement with the teaching handed down from the apostles? And thirdly, were they accepted as authentic and used by the early church? And of course, this is where Dan Brown has a problem because some of the Gnostic Gospels were not included in there. And they were not included in there because they failed at least one of those three tests. And so how did God give us the Bible? Firstly, God speaks through revelation. And revelation is how God has communicated truths to people who otherwise would not have known them. And the story of creation in Genesis 1 and 2 is a good example of this. Humanity was not created until the sixth day, and as such, it must have only been God who revealed the knowledge about what occurred on the first five days to the author of Genesis, or it would not be possible to know what had occurred. 
We know God spoke to those who write the Bible. But how did he speak? Was it in Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, some form of angelic language? And there are examples in the Bible of God speaking to people in their own language. And other times God spoke through angels, as when the angel Gabriel informed Mary that she would give birth to Jesus. Another method of communication used by God was through dreams and visions. An example of this is in the birth story of Jesus Christ himself, whereby the wise men were warned in a dream not to return to King Herod. God has also communicated by way of a burning bush and from within a cloud. God has even spoken through a donkey, as the prophet Balaam can testify. In the Old Testament, often God spoke through what is called the angel of the Lord, which some believe to have been Jesus before he came to earth as a human. The Bible as God's written word is revelation. Through its pages it reveals the living word, Jesus Christ. And then there's inspiration. If that was revelation, there is inspiration. And the actual word inspiration is only found once in the New Testament, where Paul explicitly states that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Or more literally, it was God-breathed. Divine inspiration naturally proceeds from divine revelation. While through revelation God speaks to man's ear, it is by inspiration that God works the pen, thus ensuring that the message is written correctly. This process of inspiration has several theories attached to it. One theory, called the content theory, suggests that the author uh, garnered the main idea from God but God allowed the writer to choose his own words. Another is the natural theory, whereby the biblical writers were inspired in the same sense that William Shakespeare was inspired. God did not suppress the writer's personalities. For example, the differences between the writing style of the Apostle John and the writing style of the Apostle Paul are easily recognisable. However, Jesus said that God chose the very letters of the words. This view states that God inspires all the words of the Bible in its original language. God was able to use humans, even with their natural limitations, to say all that he needed to say. God wanted to communicate to ordinary people, so he used ordinary people to write and produce the Bible. Writers in the Bible, such as Peter, that knew their writings were being God-guided. Peter said this was true of the Old Testament authors, as we have read previously, his own writings, and also true of Paul's. However, inspiration does not guarantee the inspiration of any translation of the Bible, but only of the original manuscripts written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And then thirdly, God speaks through illumination. God has spoken and he has communicated his written word to us, firstly by revelation when God spoke to the writers, secondly through inspiration as the writers were divinely guided by God in the process of writing his message. However, in order to understand God's revealed and inspired message, illumination is required. This is where God causes the Bible to be understood by both the human heart the spirit 
and the mind. And why do we need illumination? Without illumination, the reader is blinded. Just as a light bulb needs power in order to give light, so does the Bible need somebody to provide the power. The person who does this illuminating is God the Holy Spirit, who we learn about later on in Alpha. He was promised by Jesus to illuminate the Bible to the hearts and minds of all people willing to listen, both Christian and non-Christian. We need this illumination to help us understand God's word. The Holy Spirit, if you ask him, will show these tremendous truths to you and I as we read the Bible regularly and ask for his help in understanding it. And by the Holy Spirit illuminating the Bible, people's lives are transformed and changed. By way of the Holy Spirit illuminating the Bible as God's inspired written word, God's living word, Jesus Christ, is revealed. So why not pray for his help whenever you read the Bible and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate it to you? And how about, how do we interact with the Bible? One of the main reasons we should interact with the Bible is because the Bible is a link to the early church, to the apostles, to the very disciples of Jesus. And it's also a link to the prophets of the Old Testament who are the foundation of the church according to Paul in Ephesians 2 verse 20. There are three reasons we interact with it. The Bible equips for service. The Bible helps us to know what God wants us to do. And the Bible helps us know God more. But tonight I just want to share probably the prime reason for interacting with the Bible. And that's that third one. The Bible helps us know God more and develops our relationship with him. This is one of the very key teachings from the Bible, and that is that God can be known personally, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. People are not naturally born possessing this knowledge, even though they know the very existence of God. Knowing that God exists is just not the same as actually knowing God personally. In the same way that I know about the Queen, I don't know her personally. That is the same state people are in with regards to God. Personal knowledge of God is ultimately crucial, however, since knowing God personally and developing the relationship is what being a Christian is all about. We should be rejoicing that God earnestly desires to attain this knowledge of him in order to know him more and more. He has spoken through his written word, the Bible, revealing himself and disclosing how we can know him more. What a privilege! And whilst God can be known, our knowledge of God is partial and we will never ever know everything there is to be known about him. Knowledge of him is, is both wondrous and without end. And one of the Christian life's greatest delights is developing an intimate knowledge of God and not developing an intimacy with him. The Bible and its message, where people come to know God, are found in that the message is the agent of new birth. This message or gospel is the soap or the cleansing agent whereby God gives the believing sinner a spiritual bath, resulting in salvation. And the Bible is a teacher that brings wisdom, which leads to salvation. So now let's go on, but let me tell you about uh, some keys to understanding the Bible. 
And you may well now be asking just how we are to interact with this Bible. Firstly, we read it. Read it using a Bible that you can read and understand easily. There are many translations available to suit the taste of anybody. You may like to use a Bible reading plan, which will take you through the Bible in a year. Secondly, the Bible is inerrant or without error, and that it is totally trustworthy because of it. It does not contain errors or mistakes in its original form. That is in the original manuscripts and languages. It is not inerrant, however, insofar as the translation from those languages. But we do, as Christians, maintain the Bible as our final authority over all things. Then thirdly, no part of the Bible will explicitly contradict another part. It is a balanced and unified message from a God who does not change. God is not a God of confusion, but a God of order. And by reading it regularly, you will be amazed how it all holds together. And if there is any large contradictions, perhaps this next step will help. Keep what you are reading in context. Not only within its immediate context, but also within the context of the rest of the Bible. Take, for example, Psalm 14, verse 1, where the Bible says there is no God. What Psalm 14, 1 actually says is that the fool in his heart has said there is no God. It is also out of context with the rest of the Bible, where God is said to exist, such as Genesis chapter 1. As I said in the beginning, the Bible has been abused down through the centuries, as well as being used faithfully. You can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say by merely taking sections out of context and therefore creating pretexts. So uh, when you read it, ask yourself questions about the passage. How, who, when, where, why and what. So now let me conclude by giving you five main ways with which to engage with the Bible using your heart, your mind, and your will. Firstly, there is the reading of it, both in private and in public. Perhaps the church could have a, a public Bible reading weekend. Then secondly, there's memorizing it. Memorizing scripture will help you in times of trouble or when you're having great joy. Thirdly, there's meditating or thinking about it finding a passage of scripture and thinking about it, finding out how, who, what, why, where, when and what, and how you can apply it to your life. Which leads us on to number four, which is obeying it. And that is a matter of will, of saying and asking the Holy Spirit to help you obey it. Then fifthly, there is the preaching and the teaching of it to some people in a worship service. The pinnacle of worship is to hear the preacher, but then that also probably depends on the preacher. We're going to break up into our groups now. Thank you very much.